Simon, thanks for joining us today. Very exciting stuff. Um, you know, obviously, you, you coach uh, in, the, in Winston Churchill. Um, you, you coach with our BK kids in the in the summer. But let's go all the way back to when you were a player. So when you when you, where did you grow up? Where did you get started? All that stuff. Give, give us the breakdown. Um, I grew up in Surrey, and I went to an independent school uh, up until grade ten. And uh, I never really touched a basketball until um, probably grade nine. I, it's kind of an old story, but I just basically hammered a, a hoop into the side of the garage and, and started shooting. And at the same time, I think I went from, in the summer of grade nine, I went from about six feet to about six, four, six, five. Yeah. And, um, and then I, I started just, I just kept playing and playing. But when I went to school, there was no basketball team. Uh, we had a, an unbelievable uh, mentor and coach at the school I was going to. It was called Fraser Valley Christian High. And he, he was a track guy. He was uh, a cross country guy, but um, he was a one man show and, and there was no support for him and there was no basketball program. So at the same time, my love for basketball grew. Um, I realized that I couldn't stay there and continue on. So. The closest school to uh, Fraser Valley was North Surrey Secondary. And North Surrey at the time was one of the most powerful programs in the Fraser Valley, along with Abbotsford and um, Centennial and, and some of those other programs. So I uh, basically cold called the coach, walked into the office, and he looked and then he looked and he looked up a little bit higher and he said, yes, we, we definitely would like you to come. And, and that, the other thing about North Surrey was it was a senior secondary. I don't think uh, we have any senior secondaries left in BC. So there was about maybe 2,000 kids in grade 11 and 12. And uh, so those programs, they just kept rolling. Every year they would, they would have a new team or every second year they would make a run for, for provincials. And um, it was, uh, it was a, a very new shift for me just to be part of a program. And, and that was truly an old school program uh, with coaches who were who were um, influenced by the '60s and '70s, and and it was a it was a real reckoning for me. Well, talk about that. Um, what what do you mean by reckoning? Uh, how how'd your teams do? You know, I'm assuming you ended up playing university at a pretty high level, so you know, obviously you started to take it more seriously. So talk about that growth from being just a kid who occasionally plays to somebody who takes basketball like really seriously. Yeah, you know, the first thing I had to deal with was the personality of the coach. Um, I remember just showing up for our, um, like, off-season scrimmage, pickup games, and and some of the seniors uh, came to me and said, you know, this is what the coach is going to do. He's going to yell at you. He's going to pick on your worst habits, and um, he's doing it to make you better. He's not doing it because he doesn't like you. So once once I kind of realized that, that this coach was pointing out ways I could get better, um, yeah, it was just a rapid improvement. You know, all the summer camps, I, I went, my first uh, summer camp was Athletes in Action out in um, Langley. And I remember the first drill they did was they just wanted to divide the campers up and they just said full court layup, everyone line up and the ball was going out everywhere. I was so nervous. And, and but at the end of the camp, I won the most improved and I definitely um, picked up a lot. So I think my desire to improve was was basically um, at the right time I, I met the right people in my life. 
and uh, I was open to uh, improvement. So, so that's basically how it started. And then in grade 11, I got a note from um, the, the SFU coach, uh, Stan Stewartson at the time. And uh, he recognized something in me and, and uh, that gave me the confidence to keep pushing. And uh, I ended up going to SFU. Yeah, you know, that's, that's so important to hear because you get a lot of athletes and they're kind of, you know, sailing along and then some, a pivotal moment happens. And like a, a, a head coach from a team tells you, hey, I think you're good enough to come here. And then you're like, oh, wait a second. I guess maybe I am. Maybe I got to take it a little more seriously. Do you remember, uh, like, you know, workouts, you know, before school? Did you guys, were you guys in the gym all the time? What was that like? Like, you know, are you, are you there? Were you just doing your two hours or what was it like a lot of extra stuff that you had to do? Yeah, I, I was lucky because the, the guys that I w entered in grade 11 within high school, um, we all loved to play. And this was back when after school you would stay every day and play three on three. And the, the coach would, they basically had one main sport going and, and after the season, you really had to stay in the gym and work. And um, we didn't think of it as work. We just thought of it as playing pickup ball. And we played hours and hours and hours. I still, I still think that, you know, three on three, the, the kids have lost the touch with three on three and, and what it can give you as far as being an all-rounded player. And especially for players who have potential to play uh, at the next level, say in university, to be able to go from a post up to uh, catching the ball off someone else's pivot and, and pitch, you know. So uh, we just played, you know, that was that was the bottom line. I, I didn't have a mentor like the personal trainers of today. And I wonder, you know, what, what I could have reached as far as my potential goes if I had someone who was, you know, three times a week uh, helping me get better from the outside. Um, I didn't put enough work into my outside shot because I was I was put inside basically in the post. So um, the majority of shots I would work on would be uh, elbow jumpers and um, post moves and that kind of thing. So all that all that comes out when you're playing and playing hard to stay on the court. And um, that's that's kind of how we worked out. Um, up until I went to Simon Fraser, and then, and then we uh, we did summer camps, learned how to teach the game uh, back then, and then played after after the camps every day. So it was unlike. So you get to Simon. Um, Simon was was very good <clears throat> back then, correct? Yeah, they're they're very strong. And so, as a freshman, you come in. There's already very good players on a team. What's that like? I mean, I'm assuming you're going from top of the heap to, you know, maybe not so much. So what's that like? What's the big jump going? Well, it's it's funny because um, with this uh, COVID time at home, I went through some of my old um, photo albums and, and I showed the girls how I looked coming out of grade 12. And, and uh, the, you know, I just wasn't ready to play the post at the NAIA level. So uh, I redshirted and I spent a lot of time uh, in the weight room. Uh, working out, working out to be ready for university ball, but like you said, uh, it's a transition time, and you know if you're not comfortable with the coach's belief in you, then you're probably not going to do well in a redshirt year. Um, but I did very well, and I was I was I had a great freshman year. I came in and um, started behind, or sorry, I, I played behind guys like Bob Helchies, and um, I eventually. Uh, started in my sophomore year for most of the year uh, and through to senior. 
our problem also was uh, the program was getting better and better. And so we were getting some really good positional recruits. And uh, my position as a post was, was not my, probably my best position, but I, I knew how to play. I knew how to defend and, uh, and get minutes at that position. So, um, so, you know, it was a transition doing redshirt year, uh, but I believed in the coach and I believed that if I worked hard, I'd, I'd be on the floor and that, when you get to university, um, just getting on the floor is, is meaningful. You know, a lot of kids uh, who play in grade, grade 11 and 12, they think, well, yeah, I'm just going to move this game to the next level. And they find out that they don't have the defense or they don't have the physicality or the, the intensity to, to really help a team win against 20, 21, 22 year olds. Yeah, for sure. And, and so you, you end up playing your, your time at, at Simon, that's a five years. Then what'd you graduate with? I graduated with a degree, uh, with an arts degree and um, major in geography, minor in history. Um, I, I enjoyed my education. Uh, a funny part of that whole story was when I was being recruited for Simon Fraser, my, um, my vice principal didn't think that I would have the grades to make it in because I hadn't really taken school seriously until I realized that maybe I want to go play basketball. So, so he actually, my vice principal recommended another player on my team because he had better grades. And the, the story is funny because Carrie Rokosh, you probably know Carrie uh, Rokosh, he's a top level ref. Uh, he ended up walking on the team at, at Simon Fraser. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. What was the question, Anthony? I mean, well, Kerry was also one of the better coaches we've had in the province for a long time. And then yeah. he decided to stop coaching and he turned into a ref, which we're not yeah, going to well. for now. But anyway, um, so no, the question was you graduated and then with what? And then you just told us. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you go work? Where, where, where'd you go work right away? Um, I, I was uh, basically, I went for my first senior year of coaching. I graduated in 1990, and uh, I graduated in the in the fall semester after the fall semester. So I, I took on a position at Queen Elizabeth's uh, Secondary in Surrey, and I, I just they needed a coach, so I thought I'd try that out. That was back in 1990, and while I was doing that, um, a good friend of mine, uh, Craig Craig Peterson from North Van, great player at Hansworth, uh, was playing pro overseas in Denmark. And he said, well, you know what, I think you can play here and I'll talk to a few clubs. And I arranged a tryout in the spring. And then the following year, I, I played overseas and I, I ended up playing for four years. Oh, overseas. yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you come back home, you start coaching. We're going we're gonna to jump into the coaching. Did that start right away? Well, you know, I, what, what was the progression kind of? Um, yeah, so I started coaching actually overseas uh, because most of the clubs there, they want you to be, a, you know, a full-time um, employee of the club. So that means that you're going to coach a junior team or maybe a, um, an adult team, a second team and that. So I used whatever I had learned from summer camps and from what we ran at Simon Fraser. And uh, I ended up having uh, a lot of success just in, in a self-belief that I could coach and I really set my goal to be um, to be a coach at the next level in university. So I came back and uh, one of the reasons I came back was to get my teaching degree. So I ended up at UBC. Um, great story here is uh, Winston's mom was actually sitting in the interview 
room when I looked uh, looked at the uh, teacher college at at UBC, Yvonne Brown, and I'm, she's looking at my courses and she sees I'm a I'm a basketball guy and and she's smiling a lot and I'm like that was a great meeting I I felt really good about that um, and you know a week later I found out I was accepted at UBC to to teach uh, to go into the one year secondary program there so while I was at UBC um, I wanted to keep improving my coaching uh, acumen so I contacted Bruce Enns and um, I asked if I could uh, work with him and work on his staff and he, you know he kind of kept putting off the meetings it was the middle of summer he was he was traveling and doing some other stuff so I was very persistent and uh, I I ended up meeting with him and telling him you know my philosophy and my experience and uh, I ended up coaching four years there and uh, really enjoy, enjoying myself and uh, ending up um, getting a teaching job at Kitsilano at the same time as I started uh, my career. Uh, so I was coaching at, at UBC while starting coaching junior ball at Kitsilano. So. so now we're getting the kits. This is my favorite part of the interview because your Kitsilano teams, um, specifically a couple of years there, uh, were when I was growing up, they were my favorite teams to watch just because you had some fantastic players, you know, Levon, Portis, there were some other guys, I just don't remember their names, but they, the, the teams played the right way, they played fast, they, they got the ball moving, there was dunking all over the place, there was three-point shooting, there was, it was everything, maybe I'm overdoing it in my head, I don't know, but it, it's been, it's been almost 20 years now, so I think uh, maybe I've glorified it, but in my head, it was, it was some of the best basketball I've ever watched, so talk about, you know, being a part of that program and, and coaching teams that had that much talent on them, and what that was like. Yeah, it was, um, I, I kind of knew that there was something going on at, at Kitts before I went there. Um, I knew Randy uh, Coots, who was working there. I knew him through the local uh, men's league scene. And uh, he was, uh, he did, they basically won, I think, the first year of their first uh, title. Um, they won in 1996 or 1995 and 1996. And at the same time, I had finished my degree. So, I went in, I went into kits and they didn't, you know, until that point, they didn't really have an identity as a basketball uh, powerhouse. And uh, so th that first uh, repeat that, that Randy did, I guess what, what happened was there was really no other place to play. Um, in Vancouver, there was, there was no real um, men's programs that had uh, junior coaches, senior coaches, and had parents that knew where to put their kid in. And um, it was a French immersion school as well. So what ended up happening is all of a sudden, uh, you know, Kitsilano became known as a basketball place. And so uh, we ended up, any kid who was in the French immersion programs usually had a choice of what school they wanted to go to. Uh, and all of a sudden, all the basketball players ended up like Sandy Bizarro and Levon Kendall and some of these other players. <clears throat> They ended up uh, at Kitsilano, so um, there was there was enough physical talent there. Uh, and then when I started helping Randy with the juniors, uh, I think what happened was the players, by the time they went to senior, could could play basketball in any situation, and um, you know whether it was man or, or zone. A lot of Randy's um, philosophy matched mine. It was kind of a, a defensive but athletic game. 
and uh, we we wanted to run offenses, but we more or less, I think, uh, wanted to to just outcompete the other the other teams. Um, so it was very successful, and my particular run was uh, after Randy's run, and I had uh, a couple amazing players, um, Justin Mensa Coker. I don't I don't know if you remember him. He ended up um, making the provincial team with uh, Levon and and Chris. Uh, and those three guys, while they were playing for me, they were all uh, suitable CIS players, maybe Div, you know, lower uh, tier Div Div one players. And Levon ended up playing, uh, you know, in the Big East back when the Big East was a was a top conference in the nation. Yeah. yeah. So there's always um, not always talent, but it just seemed like because of the 3A thing. In the city, you know, everyone had to kind of compete against kits for a city title. And when when that changed, when when we went 3A, uh, schools like King George and 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 uh, St. George's was always trying their best. Uh, Van College would have runs, um, but really, when when the city went to 3A and 4A, that's kind of when the talent. Um, didn't keep going to kits, so uh, they they couldn't manage as as much as they did uh, during the early two thousands. Yeah, for sure. So now you're you're at Churchill. You have some very good teams there as well. But now you're coaching your daughters. Talk a little bit about that. That's got to be a big a big adjustment for you as a coach. You're coaching high high mm -hmm. high level guys, and now you're starting with them in elementary school. You're bringing them up through high school. That's got to be a completely different experience. Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, it's it's an amazing difference um, to, you know, someone explained to me, you can't, you can't always uh, do have two hats on. Sometimes you got to have one hat. And, um, you know, for me, uh, it, it became apparent that I would drive my kids anywhere, uh, but I wanted them to have the best coaching possible. So we, we even drove to the North Shore, we did new heights, uh, we looked everywhere for clubs. And, um, you know, just basically, uh, I explain it as um, if my wife and I were lawyers, we would really know how to raise a lawyers, you know, two, two kids that would know everything about law. And, and um, my wife, Carrie, she's a nurse and I'm a teacher. And I said, basically, I, I want my kids to know uh, what we know about the world. Uh, so that's why I thought that even though it, coaching your own uh, daughter or son, for that matter, has a lot of risks involved. Uh, I think from an educational perspective and a learning perspective, uh, it's, an, it's been an amazing journey uh, for me. And uh, it's probably helped me go from being an old school kind of hard ass coach to, um, to thinking and pausing and trying to be more positive. Um, and then watching other uh, girls coaches and women's coaches and, and just seeing how the message and the confidence uh, that you give your players um, has changed over the last 20, 30 years. So, so it's been fun. Uh, truthfully, if, if I felt like um, there was a coach or a situation where um, my daughters would have a great coach, then I would love to step back. Um, and now it's just basically um, in the last couple of years that Mara is going to have here and and Louise has a few left. Now it's it's kind of just trying to enjoy the moment as much as possible. Hundred percent. And you know, as you you coach all these other people's kids, 
you know, you, you kind of, you're in it and you're kind of furious at it. And then when you realize it's your own kid, it's like, you know what, I got to enjoy this experience because yeah. they're almost done, you know? Uh, you know, and so you've been, you've been raising them for a long time, but realistically you only got a couple of years left with them in this situation and then they're off in the real world. So it's a unique experience. Well, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Um, I do have one last question for you. If you, if you go back, you know, it's my, it's my standard question. I keep asking sure. everybody, you go back to high school. What are you telling young Simon Dykstra? What, what are you telling him that he needs to, to think about or do, you know, while he's still there? Yeah, I was thinking about this question. I had an idea you might ask me this one. And, and I, I think that, you know, all the people you've interviewed have, have given such great advice. And I think for myself personally, I think it would be find the best mentor you can. You know, um, someone who's played the game at the highest level in your area that you know, and just just soak up what they're doing. Um, but this was this was shown to me when Al Chris Manson was was still at Simon Fraser, and Jay Jay and Al would work out, and I'd I'd watch them in the gym, and it I I wasn't smart enough to realize how hard they were working and and how specific they were working, but there was no doubt that Jay was transferring his his um his advice and his experience uh, to Alan as a friend and as a mentor. So, you know, if any of the girls um, can continue and contact and make relationships uh, with, with young women who have um, gone before them, I think that that's um, going to serve them so well uh, if they do have that motivation to become their best. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks again. I appreciate it. And we'll see you soon. Thank you. Take care. Thank you.